All right, Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 4. I want to read a verse here very quickly. Proverbs chapter 14, verse, verse number 4. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 4. Now, it's important that you just give me a few minutes of your time because this is one Sunday a year that I explain what we're going to do and the things that we need to improve and things we need to work on so that we can go forward. And so I would like for you to really give your undivided attention to what I have to say this morning. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 4. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 4. Where no ox are, the feeding trough is clean, but much increase comes the strength of an ox. Proverbs 14, verse 4. Where no ox are, the feeding trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, just one scripture. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8 states this. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 8. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 8, and this is what the Lord said. Revelation 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Let me read that phrase to you again. Who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Uh, this morning, I want the title of what I need to say this morning is called The State of the Church Address. The State of the Church Address. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would open up our ears, that you would open up our hearts, that we would hear your word, we would hear your word, that we would obey your word, that we go forth and boldness, and we won't fail to praise you for it. Everyone shouted a great big amen. All right, the state of the church address. Now, most of you are aware that every year the President of the United States gives what they call the State of the Union address. You will recall a few weeks ago that President Obama gave the 2016 address to Congress and to America. Now let me say this, I'm not here to debate on what he had said or his policies. Because I'm a firm believer, I'm more concerned about what God says. Now we should pray for our president, and we should pray for our country. And I think that we really seriously need to be in prayer for the future president of the United States. And let me say this, we should vote not from a political standpoint, but we should vote biblical. I'll say that again. We should vote biblical because we are believers. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I don't know about you, but it's time for righteousness to exalt a nation again. Now, with that being said, I want to make sure that you understand something. I like the concept of the State of the Union Address. You know why I like it? Because it gives, because it was designed to give the American people a clear picture of where they've been, where they are, and where they're going. The State of the Union Address, when the President gives it every year, it's kind of like a vision-casting speech. Well, guess what? That's what I would like to do this morning. I would like to give you not the State of the Union Address, but I would like to call it the state of the church address. 
Because what we're going to do this morning, we're going to talk about our past, where we've been. We're going to talk about our present, where we are right now. And we're going to talk about our future, where we are going. You see, it reminds me of the scripture I just read to you in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. It gives us a picture of the Lord himself. And the Lord said this about himself, who is, who was, and who is to come. You see, that is a clear picture of the Lord in three dimensions. And that's what I would like to do. I would like to give us a clear picture of Christ Point Church. I like to look at Christ Point Church and give you a clear, authentic picture of where we were, where we are at, and where we are going in the future. But before we look at the past, and before we look at the present and the future together, because we're going to do that in just a moment, I want you to make sure that you understand something from my heart. I want to express my heart to you, and that is this. Without a doubt, I love you from the bottom of my heart. And I love this church. I love you. I love you more than I love buildings and programs and people and money. I love you more than I love buildings and programs and money. You know why? Because buildings and money and programs, they all will fade away. But people are eternal. They will live on forever. And you see, ladies and gentlemen, I want to invest my time, my energy, and my effort into people because people matter to God. And if people matter to God, the ladies and gentlemen, they matter to me. You see, pastoring is just not a job. It's not a job to me. It's not a duty, and it's not an obligation. You see, ladies and gentlemen, pastoring is my heart. I am called to do this. And I'm called to you. You see, there is always, and I, you need to understand, there's always somebody who can do it better than I can. Believe me. There's always somebody smarter than me. There's always somebody that can handle situations better than me. There's somebody always better for the job. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm called. And when God calls someone, it's not based on their leadership ability or inabilities. It's not even based on their giftings. It's based on the call. You see, if you look closely, you will find a lot of faults and failures in my life because I have a lot of them. Because I'm imperfect. And I will mess up. As a matter of fact, let me make sure you understand, I will not always have the best answers for everything. I will not always have the best leadership skills. I will probably say things I shouldn't have said. I might even do things that maybe I shouldn't have done. But I promise you, I will always have a heart to be teachable, to be prayerful about things, to be open to new ideas, to seek wisdom, and I'll be the first to apologize. I'll be the first to go out on the limb and try to make things right because I want to be a growing person, you see. You see, when I die and my life is over, I don't want to be remembered as a pastor or a preacher, although that's what I'm called to do, but I want to be remembered as a growing person. A growing person, that I, I'm just not stuck in a rut, that I have the ability to continue to grow and to explore and to continue to cultivate an attitude that is honoring and pleasing to God and also inspirational to people. You see, if I am willing to grow, then I'm asking you to grow with me. I'm asking you to, let's make mistakes together because we're going to make mistakes. 
I'm asking you, let's cry together. Let's wipe each other's tears from our eyes. Let's pick each other up. Let's talk to one another. Let's believe in one another. And let's go forth for one another because the dream is much bigger than what we could ever imagine. You see, you remember what I just said, the scripture I read in Proverbs 14, verse 4. They'll put the scripture behind me, but I want you to look at this scripture, Proverbs 14, verse 4. It's an interesting scripture, but a scripture that holds much truth. It says, where there is no ox are, the feeding trough or the trough is clean. In other words, you know what Solomon is saying? If there is no animal in the trough, if there's no animal there, it's clean. But when there is animals there, it's a mess. In other words, when there is people, when there is progress, there's going to be a mess. And you see, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be messes here. There's going to be a mess here and a mess there. But let's not look at it as if it's bad. Because if there is people, there's going to be messes. If there is people in the feeding trough, if there's oxes in the feeding trough, there's going to be a mess. Because a mess is a symbol that there's life. Mess is a symbol that there's activity. Mess is a symbol that something is going on. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, I'm called to the mess. I'm not called just to preach a sermon. I am called to get in the mess with you. I'm called to get dirty too. I'm called to get in the conflict with you. All conflict is not bad. We're called to resolve conflict. And I am called to you. Whatever the price may be, I'm called to be here with you. I'm called to cry with you. I'm called to walk with you. And I'm called to go with you on this journey. We're called together in this journey. And as your pastor, I am admonishing you today. Let's grow together. Let's go together. Let's press forward together. Let's not sit sour and soak, but let's go forward in the name of the Lord and the vision and the mission of this church. I promise you, if you look hard and close around us, you can easily say to yourself, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be done a different way. Why don't pastor do it this way? That's very easy as we continue to grow because more people, there are more perceptions and more ideas. But I promise you, I'm always open to new ideas. If you come to me in the right heart and the right attitude, I'm always open to new ideas. And I also ask you to pray for me. Pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to me. Pray that I'll be exposed to continue to new ideas and my heart will always be teachable, that I'll always do what God wants me to do. Amen? And I promise you that a praying church will be a church that sticks together. You see, we may try a program and it may fail. We may try a class and it don't work. We may try new things and it don't work. But that's okay. Because we need to try new things. We need as a body to step out and try new things we need to become uncomfortable at times and try new things. And we need to have the attitude that if it don't work, that's okay. Because we'll try something else. But we're not going to quit trying. We're not going to quit trying. Let's continue to try new things. I promise you, there may be some programs we implement and may fail, but let's try. We may do outreach events and only 300 people show up. But let's thank God for the 300 and try again. At least we're not sitting doing nothing. 
At least we're not sitting looking at the ceiling and twiddling our thumbs. Thank God we're at least trying to do something. Let's do something. So I prophesy, I like that new word, that at Christ's point, there is going to be a break loose. There's going to be a break over. <laughs> There's going to be a break in. There's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be a break free, and there's going to be a break forth in Jesus' name. Now, let's, let's look at the past. A look at the past. Let's look at the past. This church was started by a preacher by the name of W.C. Marcus. W.C. Marcus. He started the church in 1934. 1934 on 23rd and Annie Baxter in Joplin, Missouri. The very first building that W.C. Marcus found was a dance hall and a barber shop. Uh, the very first pews in the church was city park benches that the local city park in Joplin donated to the church in 1934. There's a picture behind me of the very first building of this church in 1934 where W.C. Marcus and his wife and family started this church called the First Pentecostal Church of God. This year, we celebrate 82 years of ministry. 82 years of ministry. I said that to say this. Let us not forget this picture. Put that picture up there. Let us not forget the men and women who met in this building, who prayed that the gospel would be spread throughout the world. Let us not forget the grandmas and the mothers and the fathers and the children who prayed at the altars all those years, who would pray that the gospel would go forth and that holy men and women of God would preach the gospel and would not bring a disgrace to His name. You see, this picture reminds us of our heritage, that great men and women of God have went before us and it is their prayers, it is their sweat and it is their tears that we are rejoicing today. The reason we're sitting in this building that we don't really deserve, and I say that respectfully and humbly, I don't know how we got here. It's by the grace of God. But the only reason we're here is because men and women in this building throughout the years prayed that the gospel would be advanced. And we are reaping where we have never sowed. We are reaping the blessing of God of the prayers of those saints that went before us. You see, why is this important? You know why this is important? Because the average lifespan of a church is 50 to 70 years. And church growth historians tell us that usually, usually, after the 70th year, churches close. 80% of churches in America have plateaued, while 20% of churches is declining. There are over 300,000 churches in the U.S. 300,000 churches in the U.S. 80% of them have plateaued, and the average church in America is 62 people. Why is this important? Because this year we celebrate 82 years. <laughs> 82 years? 82 years. That tells us that we beat the lifespan. We beat the odds, church. God is up to something. We survived an EF5 tornado who came and destroyed our church 
And 17 of us, including myself, and some of you are in the building this morning. We lived through that. Sean Taylor, our worship pastor, has a scar on his arm that Sister LaDonna and David took him to a triage center that night. That scar is a forever sign on his arm. That God is up to something. Why, why, we, why did we live and others die? I do not know. And my heart grieves for those families. I don't understand everything, but I do understand we're still here. And if we're here, we have a purpose. God is up to something. We, we have outlived the lifespan of a church. We have survived an EF5 tornado. We are in a new season. A new season because in the year 2011, the church almost 100% voted to change the name of the church to Gateway to Christ Point Church. Then in 2014, in December of 2014, we voted 85 yeses and 15 noes. We moved over here to this church. We left. We left a small building and we moved into a bigger building. God is up to something. What can we learn from the past? Is there anything we can learn from the past? I believe we can because when W.C. Marcus founded the church, it started in revival. And you know what we can learn from the past? We learned this, that we were born in the fire and we cannot live in the smoke. This church was birthed in revival. It was fostered in revival. It was birthed by a move of God. As a matter of fact, W.C. Marcus, when they had the first revivals, it was started because of revival. The paramedics came to the church there, that little building, and they saw people out on the floor in the church. And now back then, holy, roller, holy rollers were made fun of. And so the ambulance came and found people slain in the spirit. And the, one of the paramedics was a Pentecostal. And so because people looked in the windows in the, in the, uh, from the outside of the church and they saw people slain out. So they got a hold of the ambulance and they came to check it out. And so one of the, one of the um, EMT guys ran in and saw him laying out on the floor and he just looked at the people outside and said, oh, don't worry about them. They're just in the Holy Ghost. You see, we were born in the fire and we cannot live in the smoke. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to grow. We're going to try new things. We're going to try new things. We're going to be relevant and progressive as much as we can, as much as we're going to learn to do that. But at the same time, we cannot forsake our Pentecostal heritage. We were born in the fire. We are not going to forsake our Pentecostal heritage, our belief, and our practices for modern-day Christianity. Now, I'm not talking about crazy Pentecostals, out-of-order Pentecostals. I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit moving and operating among us in a decently and an order fashion where people receive from the Holy Spirit. You see, we have a history of growth. It's in our DNA because in the early 90s, this church birthed another church called Joplin Family Worship Center. That church grew to almost a thousand people. This church has a history of growth. We also... The past teaches us that we have a remnant of committed people. Grandma Beaver was unable to be with us today, but this church is 82 years old and she's been attending this church over 60 years. We have another individual, Sister Raylene, has been attending this church almost 40 years. Is that correct, Sister Raylene? And she's with us this morning. Sister Raylene? Sister Raylene? 
Sister Raylene, you've been through a lot of pastors. You've seen a lot of people. You've seen a lot of transition. And I want to tell you, as you represent the previous generation, I want to say thank you, Sister Raylene, for being so supportive and loving of this church and the transition. And it's because of people like you that we can cross generational barriers and hold hands and do ministry together. We love you, Sister Raylene, and we're honored to have you a part of this church. We're going to stand to honor you. What can we learn about the past? It tells us that we have a remnant of people. A remnant of people? Oh, yes. Just like Sister Raylene. It teaches us that God has preserved us throughout the years. He's been with us all 82 years. He's been with us. We're in a new season. We've been, at, we've been called Christ Point for almost six years. This is a new season. And within those 82 years, God has refreshed us with new seasons. Let's look at the present. Let's look at the present. I'm not sure if we really realize and comprehend what God has done for us. We moved from a 9,000 square foot building to a 62,000 square foot building. I think I'll say that again. Just in case maybe they don't realize what has transpired among us, we have moved from a 9,000 square foot building to a 62,000 square foot. Since we have moved here at Christ Point, we have doubled in attendance. Now you say, well, you see, you might think we haven't, but this is a big building. Look at it. We've doubled in attendance. That doesn't include children, doesn't include nursery, doesn't include all the workers. We have doubled in our tithe and in our offering. You will see the financial statement at the annual business meeting. But correct me if I'm wrong, Sister Secretary, but in 2015, we brought in, is it $500,000? We doubled in our giving. We doubled. I didn't mind to share it with you because you gave it. You doubled. It takes a lot to run this building, though. <laughs> Somebody say amen. It takes a lot. I'm not saying it's always easy, and I'm not even saying it's been tight. There's been tight. It's been tight sometimes. Sometimes we've had to pray it in, but God has always provided. Always provided. He's always provided. Now, let's just look at, in 2015, the starting point class. I teach a class every eight weeks in our growth semester, the starting point class is for new believers, new people to the church, new people who are thinking about coming to the church, new people who are exploring the faith. It's called starting point. And we encourage every new person and every new convert to attend this class. This last year, we graduated 104 people from that class. And according to our records, 94 people are still attending this church. Church membership, we added 56 new people 
And according to our records, 55 are still attending. We've dedicated six brand new babies and water baptized 16 brand new people. You see, the Bible says this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is what God has done. I mean, what can we learn about the present? I mean, we can look at the future, we can look at the past and learn from it. But what can we learn about the present? We can learn that God is with us. We learn that God is among us. We learn that there are people that's coming. Now, are they faithful? They may not be faithful all the time, but we will maximize when they do come. We will celebrate when they do come. And we'll try our very, very, very best to shut the back door. You see, it teaches us that there is a lot for us to do because more people tells us there should be more leaders. It tells us there should be more training going on. It tells us there should be more development going on. When people come, leaders should emerge from there. More training and more development. I promise you, that's been going on behind scenes. It may not go as fast as you think it go has went. Ladies and gentlemen, little by little, we're building the building that God wants us to have. And we will continue to further explore and to continue to further train and develop other people to carry the burden of this ministry. Lastly, let's look at the future. Let's look at the future. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people will perish. We must go forward with a vision. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 6, for the people had a mind to work. You see, if we have a heart to work, if we have a heart to do it, and we are following a vision, then God will bless it. You see, if you would ask, what, what is Christ's point about? We say it every Sunday, but it doesn't change. It's grow in God, serve with man, change the world. Why is this important for you to know? Because God has called you to grow as a believer. You should have more knowledge this year than you had last year. You should have more of a desire for God this year than you had last year. You should be reading more of the Word this year than you had last year. You should be attending a growth point class and desiring for God to do something in your life. A desire to learn and to grow and make an intentional effort throughout your week that I am going to grow and I have I don't know it all, but I want to grow because a growing Christian produces fruit. Let me say this, not a faithful Christian. A growing Christian. Because you can be faithful in doing the wrong things all your life. What about it? Are you just faithful? But are you fruitful? And how are you going to bear fruit? You can't bear the fruit unless the seed is planted and the seed is the Word of God and thus we must grow. We serve with one another because that is the greatest example of all. Jesus said if you want to be great, you've got to serve. Be active. Not coming to church with a, a buggy to shop, but coming to church with a shovel to dig. Because we have a mind to work. You see, and to change the world because that's the mission of the church is to preach the gospel throughout the world. I use the word world because 
that implies the dream is bigger than us. It's just not Galena, but let's bless missionaries, let's support mission, let's preach the gospel throughout the world. So that is what we're about. But this is my question to you. How can we do that better? How can we do it better? And that is the word that I really want to focus on this year is better before bigger. That's what I want to focus on. Let's do things better. Let's do things better. Do you think we can do it better? I think so. Because there's always room to grow. It's, there's always room to go up another notch. Should Pastor Josh do things better? Yes. He should do things better. I'll be the first. You see, sometimes I, you know, think to myself, I, 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 I do this or I do that and I need to delegate more. I can do things better. I, I can work on my attitude and become better. I can look at things I can do better because I have a growing mindset. And I'm asking this church in 2016, let's just do things better. Why? Because we already have the gifts and the callings among us. We just need to bring it up, up a notch, do it better. You see, can we do things better? Of course, I can do things better. What can we do this year? These are the things we're going to work on. Number one, we're going to work on our communication together. Communication. You see, did you know that one of the biggest faults in a marriage, according to a famous psychologist said years ago, he said, the major fault in most marriages in America is number one, the lack of communication. You see, what is communication? Communication is not you nodding your head. Communication is what's being understood. It's not what's being said. And so what I want to do this year, I want to effectively communicate better. I want to bring our website up another notch. I want to have us printed literature about our church. We're working on that. I want us to communicate more effectively through social media. I would eventually like to have a phone app for our church where you could be anywhere, anywhere, and look up the announcements and what's going on at the church more accessible. I want us to have more public exposure and more public advertisement in the city. But before we do this, we must put the website and literature and all these other things in place. I think we could communicate better. What about you, ladies and gentlemen? Do you think that's something that we could do better? We have a wonderful staff who diligently tried to do this, but we're going to even do it more. We're going to do it better because we realize as people grow, then one of the frequent faults of any churches is the lack of communication. Do we communicate? Yes, we communicate. Do we all hear? We may not all hear. But what we are going to do is provide different avenues of communication because we all understand and communicate differently. Does that make sense? Differently. So maybe the website and the literature, social media, phone app, public advertisement. These are things that will help us to relate to the world around us because that is what we are after. We're after people and we live in a world of technology. And it's right at our fingertips. What about connection? You see, I do believe that one of the things that happens as we grow is one of the things that you hear in a church when we grow is it's not the way it used to be. Or I wish pastor would do this more or he should do this. Those are just common things that we hear. But I want to share my heart with you. 
If I could do it all, I would. But I'm not called to do it all. I'm called to be a leader. And you know what a leader is to do? A leader is to see someone else and see their gifts and see their callings and bring their gifts and callings out so that they are empowered to pastor as well. That's what a leader is. A leader is just not doing this and that. A leader is not a doer of tasks. It is a development, developer of leaders. And one of the things that happens as a church grows is we, we seem to think we're falling through the cracks. We don't know everybody. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, please don't get mad at me. You see, that statement doesn't really hold truth because we were in the other small building and some of you still didn't know each other. Because as the church grows, you're not going to know everybody, but you can know somebody. I'm going to say it again. You're not called to know everybody, but you are called to know somebody, to create friendships. And one of the things that we're missing, I think, is connection. So I like to use the word, shut the back door. What is the back door? The back door represents an exit. And you know what I want to do this year? I want to try our very, very, very best to shut the back door. Somebody say, shut the back door. Look to your neighbor and tell him, just shut the back door. What do I mean by that? I mean simply, ladies and gentlemen, is there a way we can shut the back door so when people come to Christ's point, they're not coming in the front door and leaving the back door I would say to you, ladies and gentlemen, let's grow together. I think we could put a lock on the back door. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to put a lock on the back door? Now, don't lose me. Don't lose me. How are we going to do this? In the near future, I right now is doing, I'm doing extensive research. I'm networking with people. And what I would like to implement in the near future is what we call point groups. Point groups. You would call them cell groups or home groups. Now, some of you have different perceptions of that. Some of you think, I will never attend one because you had a bad experience. That's understandable. But I just ask you earlier to grow. I'm asking you to think differently. I'm asking you, let's do church in circles and not just rows. You see, you're sitting in a row, and that's what we call church. But can we do church in a circle where you're forced to look at people, and you're forced to talk to people, and you're forced to love people, and you're forced to be there for people? You're not forced to do anything but to look at me because you're in a row. But can we put it in a circle and have point groups where we can do life together? Now, this can work if I develop qualified leaders and they in return will develop other leaders and we can multiply groups. This is not going to hinder our church at all. As a matter of fact, people will come to your group before they ever come to your house. If you invite them to your house, they'll come to your house for a Bible study, but they'll never may end to come to a church. But you see, all we're doing is fishing. And I believe that we can do that. Now, point groups, where we will do this. I, right now, is praying about how to do it, when to do it, what to do, and the structure. But it's already been in my heart because I've mentored, I've 
talked to a mentorship class last night. It's in my heart. We need to do this because we do need to shut the back door. We need to get people connected. We need to grow smaller as we grow larger. Now, lay aside your differences and say, Pastor, I don't like small groups. Maybe you had a bad experience, but have you ever been to a true one that's changed your life? I have. Many of you have. Let's consider it. Let's pray about it. But we will do that in the near future. Let's shut the back door. And we're going to focus on the unsaved. We're going to put a pull on the unsaved this year. As a matter of fact, we're going to have four encounter services. Now, we usually, in the encounter service, baptize people and receive people in church membership and do baby dedications. But I'm changing that, and we're going to call that Celebration Sunday. So when you hear the word Celebration Sunday, that means after the eight weeks of classes, we're going to baptize people, we're going to receive people into church membership and do baby dedications. That is called Celebration Sundays. But the word encounter now is going to be for salvation services. We're going to have four of them this year, and the purpose of these services is for you to intentionally invite somebody to church intentionally. I'm going to ask you to dress down. I'm going to ask you to wear jeans. I'm going to ask you to come casual. I'm going to tell them, turn the music up, and we're going to invite the young people. We're going to invite the people that don't look like us. We're going to invite the people with the tattoos. Come on, somebody. We're going to invite them all. And the purpose of this is for the unsaved. Now, that doesn't mean you can't bring them to other services, but we're just making an intentional effort to bring them to church. You make the effort for, and what are they called, church? They're called the encounter. Somebody say encounter. Somebody shout out encounter. And that's for the unsaved. And I'm believing God for 100 brand new people this year to Christ Point Church. I'm going to say that again. I'm believing God for 100 brand new people to Christ Point Church. 100. Can we do it? Can we do it? Why can't we do it is the question we got to ask ourselves. Why can't we? Within this building, we have enough resources and enough leaders and enough talents and gifts to put a black eye on the devil and shake the gates of hell and raise up a church that gives God the glory and the honor. There is no reason why we can't make a difference. So four times this year is the encounter service. Four. And we're focusing on what, church? So when you hear the word encounter, it's equivalent to a salvation service, you invite somebody. And our first service is on Easter. It's Easter encounter. Why Easter? Because most people show up to Easter when they won't show up to anywhere else. That's our first encounter service where you invite somebody to church. And we're believing for how many people? A hundred brand new people. What are we going to do with them? We're going to baptize them, put them in starting point class, and get them to serve. And then when we develop point groups, we'll put them in a group. You know why that's important? If everybody's in a group, then everybody's taken care of. Everybody's seen at the hospital. Because your point group leaders, they know that you're there. Everybody's connected. You see, where is that in Scripture? Jethro, what you do is not good. Put them in groups of 50 hundreds. Jethro, 
Moses, what you're doing, Jethro told Moses, what you're doing is not good. You need to put them down and put leaders over 50s and 100. It's a scriptural principle. Because one man can't do it all. We need training. In other words, we have to train our ministry departments better. In other words, we've got to raise up other leaders and empower other leaders to do the work. Part of that's my fault. Why is it my fault? Because it's my responsibility to train other leaders. That's my responsibility. We've become so, uh, we've become so busy moving in this building that we need to realign the focus and so we need to develop more leaders and train the leaders we have and bring them up another notch. And I'm making a commitment this year that we're going to do that. Train better. And then the building. You see, most of you know that this building, we are paying a lease. We pay a lease payment every month. And this is our second year of paying a lease payment. And the Assemblies of God owns this building, but we are leasing it from them. We have it on a three-year contract, and then it can be extended to another two years, so that's five years. So we have three years and then another two years if we need it as a lease. And we're paying a lease payment every month. We can buy the building at any time. We can just call them and buy the building. It's ours. So what we're going to do this year, and you'll hear more of this in the annual business meeting, we're going to start the process with the assemblies of God. We're going to start the process. The financial team will start the process, and we'll start negotiating, and we'll see what happens, and we'll keep you informed. Somebody say amen. I'm just believing that we're going to have tremendous favor, that I'm going to get up here, and I'm just going to give a praise report of what God is going to do. <laughs> Lastly, the kids' department. You, last year at Easter, we raised money for the bus ministry. And I want to say this. The money that you gave did go to buy a bus. We bought a bus from the Christian church in Baxter Springs. It's a great bus. There has been a delay in that. And I am just going to be man enough to tell you, I didn't forget about it. I was very proactive about it. But this is one thing that I've learned. I got up. We raised the money. I even promoted the vision for it last year. The vision has been delayed, but it hasn't been denied. And the reason for that is because... There has to be lots of preparation to go into a bus ministry and a kids ministry because if you're bringing all those kids in, then we're going to have to have more workers. They have to go through background checks. They have to go through a process. We have to have the right bus drivers. So a lot of it is preparation before we launch it. So it's extended a little bit, but that's okay because when it starts, it's going to be effective. And I think that you would trust me as a leader to make sure things are done appropriately and efficiently instead of just getting in and just doing it right all of a sudden. So we got a bus out there because it is a sign for the future that we haven't forgot about it. We are proactively working on it and we're going to have a successful bus ministry of children bringing children in. We are going to do that. Right now the bus is being serviced and then we're going to have it painted of the logo on it and we're going to have it painted so it looks, we'll have a movable advertisement throughout the city. All right? So we're going to start in Galena first. You remember Jesus said start in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria. We're going to start in Galena first. And then we can spread out. Now, there has been a change in the kids department. And uh, Pastor Orlando has served as the children's pastor for approximately three years. Is that right? Four years. 
and uh, he served as the kids pastor and done a great job, a wonderful job serving as the kids pastor. Pastor Orlando was hired full time a couple years ago to do that and also the connection ministry. The connection ministry is connecting people to the church uh, and putting them through assimilation so they're connected. Most of his time is spent doing that because we have grown quite a bit. And he's done a great job at both ministries. But we know that as the church continues to grow, that the law of focus is very important. That one man can't do a bunch of ministries. Am I right? They just can't. So what, we have, what I've decided to do is just let Pastor Orlando do the connection ministry, which he does a great job. How many has received a call from Pastor Orlando? <laughs> Look at all these hands. So he diligently does that and does a great job. I mean, I hear him in the office all the time, binding devils, loosening things, and praying for people. He does a great job. And that's where most, most of his time is spent in the connection department. So in order for our children's department to go to the next level, we think there needs to be the law of focus. And S Sister Kaylee Price uh, was our kids' pastor. She was our kids' pastor when I first started on Annie Baxter. And she did it. And then she moved away to Dallas and Colorado. And now she's back. She was also the kids' pastor in uh, Colorado. And she was also the kids' pastor in Texas. So she has a history of being a kids' pastor. She's done things at the National Pentecostal Church of God. So she, she does a great job. She's well-recommended. She's worked here at the church before. And so as of March 1st, Kaylee Price will be the kids' pastor of the kids' department. And Pastor Orlando will focus on the connection department. 